Good morning, everyone. Assemblymember Christine Wool is here with us this morning. Good morning, Christine. Good morning. You know, when I turned on to Riverside the other day, I saw the snow up on the mountains. Yes, it is looking beautiful out the window here. And I think we both woke up, woke up to some frost, huh? Yep, I actually had to pre-start my car this morning before I got in it. It's getting to that season. It is late October, to be fair. We've had a good, warm last few months. Yeah, true that. Now, I understand tonight the Assembly is taking up a report on the election. So, on the election, we wanted to ask your thoughts on some of the ballot propositions. Let's start with the ones that came in a little close, like the disclosure repeal. What did you think of the outcome? Yeah, I I was, um, I guess, personally you know, disappointed in the the outcomes of both the mandatory disclosure and the city hall propositions. Those ones were were both close. But um, I guess that's why we uh, put things to a vote. Sometimes you can do your best to try to figure out what the community wants or what's best for the community, but you don't necessarily know what everybody's thinking. And so it was good to... um, to get clarity on on how the community felt about both of those issues. And and it had evolved into mandatory disclosure, right? At first it was voluntary. And then once the fee was added on, that's what made it mandatory. Um, Yeah, we we voted. It was actually my very first meeting as a elected assembly member. We voted quite the topic to to take. Yes, we voted to make property um, disclosure mandatory um, and then came back about a year later and made it. um, So so that information was kept private the first time that we voted for it. And then the second time we um, added a fine if if people didn't disclose as well as made it public and in retrospect you know i I definitely um you know wish wish it was mandatory i think it creates you know better data for the assessor to equitably tax um property owners in juno but i do think that in in retrospect that decision to make it public that information public instead of keeping it private was something that the voters cared a lot about i definitely heard from people who who um thought that information wasn't um anyone else's business and so um i think that's probably what what swayed people in the end so functionally we're going back to voluntary disclosures right correct so the city will continue to send um, postcards to home buyers when when they purchase a house asking them to disclose the value of their property um, and so I just encourage people when they do get those postcards um, to fill them out uh, so that the assessor has that information and can help um, just create better models for for estimating what homes are truly worth on the market in Juneau. Do you foresee this being revisited at any point, making disclosures mandatory or? Um, we'll, we'll see what the assembly wants to do. I personally. Um, Would you like to see it revisited? I, no, I, I feel like, you know, it, it was put to a vote. We know how people feel. Um, I think maybe there's more we can do to encourage people to voluntarily um, disclose property in, in the future, kind of more education on why it's important and why it, why it helps. Um, but So perhaps incentivize. Yeah, maybe there's an incentive way to do it. That's a great idea. 
it would be interesting to see what that would would do because right now I, I remember when I purchased my house I I got a postcard and and I remember my um, other people in my life you know dis- discouraging me from from filling it out um, because you know we didn't quite understand at the time what what its purpose was and and so the more people understand that I think maybe we'll get more participation you had mentioned the other the other proposition that came in close and that was the city bond the city hall bond request you said it was disappointing to see that reaction and in the beginning though before it got in the ballot you had voiced your concern around the public's appetite for the project and given the economic environment at that time this was about a year ago so yeah before it was on the ballot do you think that kind of rung true in the end though yeah i think that's probably what we're seeing is is um the public feeling like right now is a is a tough time to spend that type of money which i can understand um you know it's it's a project that makes financial sense over the long term which is why i ultimately you know voted to put it on the ballot and was supportive of the project um but you know we just came out of a pandemic there's a lot of economic uncertainty right now and so so i understand people not wanting um to make that type of commitment right now I think, you know, we we as an assembly need to now have a discussion about how we want to move forward. Do we want to um, invest the significant financial uh, resources it's going to take to um, bring our current city hall up to snuff? Or do we want to kind of wait and see if other properties come on the market? I'm not sure what the body will choose to do, but we do need to kind of regroup and just assess where we're at because because our current situation is is unsustainable still in terms of the current building we have and and the rentals we have around town so would you ultimately prefer to see this current city hall be worked on then or might a new property really be the answer in the end yeah it's it's hard to tell i think um because i know during the there was the talking with the new hall that the idea could be that all the properties in satellite, uh, the, all the departments in satellite properties would be able to be all under one roof. Yeah, it, again, I, I do think that a, a new city hall will um, ultimately cost the taxpayers less over the long run because we wouldn't pay rentals. Um, so, th- so that's important, but there are other alternatives to investing in our current small building which would be to see if there's other properties you know for sale when we went through this year-long process to to develop this ballot initiative you know we assessed all of the properties that were currently for sale and in the end building a new building ended up being the best option um, and the most affordable option so i'm not convinced that there's a, a unicorn building out there that will come come for sale and meet our needs and be cheaper than building a new building but i think it's probably something we need to think about um before investing uh significant dollars in refurbishing a building that's too small for for all of the city employees a unicorn property though yes (laughs) (laughs) if anyone knows where that unicorn property is please let me know well 
outside of those two props, we also have props two and three. Uh, proposition two was the parks and trails maintenance proposition, and proposition three was the sales tax. And so looks like you've got that funding secured now, right? Yes, that's uh, both of those um, opportunities are, are great ones for the community. Um, lots of good projects on the list, um, some parks and rec projects, um, building maintenance, which we all, always need, child care assistance. I was curious about that addition, actually, since that's such a unique list item. What did you think of its addition? Yeah, I think there there were people who um, were arguing that, you know, child care is not essential infrastructure, which is traditionally what the sales tax has paid for. But um, we're, but we're thinking infrastructure in the sense of buildings. Exactly. Right? If you if you th- if you take a narrow view of infrastructure and think about buildings, sure, it's not a building that that we're proposing funding for. But um, there, all of the economic reports out there suggest that lack of childcare is is one of the primary things um, hurting the economy right now and making it hard to to grow the economy, not just of Juneau but but across the country. And so, in that way, it is essential infrastructure, I think. And so, um, I was supportive of putting it on the list, and and I'm happy to see that the the voters agreed. And. Watching on the voter turnout, it came in about average, 9,100. I think that was less than 2019. That was 8,500. And I was curious what you thought about the turnout. Yeah, I actually thought the turnout was was pretty good considering... Um, By mail voting was new for us compared to 2019. So. Correct, correct. So this year was a year that I would have expected pretty low voter turnout because there was... Um, only incumbents <laughs> with no one running against well, let's them. Well, address the elephant both, in the room. Both yeah. on the assembly and both on the school board. And so that is often what gets people out, right? We didn't see a lot of signs around town. There was a few for one of the ballot propositions, but overall not a lot of hype about the election. And so traditionally that would have been a year um, that had very low turnout, and I think I saw we saw higher turnout than than other kind of similar years, and I believe that's because of um, vote by mail options. People who maybe wouldn't have been interested in ballot initiatives, you know, received something at their house. They did their education, they thought about it, and they voted. So um, I was pretty happy actually with with the turnout numbers given given how uncompetitive the races were. And with that, we'll take a brief break. We'll be right back. And we're back with Juno Assembly member Christine Wall. As was mentioned in the first part, there is an assembly meeting tonight outside of the election report. Tell us what's on tap. Yeah, we haven't had an assembly meeting in quite quite some time because of the elections. Um, so it'll be good to see everyone. Um, we've got a few important things coming up for public hearing tonight. Uh, one is on um, property tax abatement. Um, so about hmm, maybe a year or two ago, uh, the assembly passed a ordinance to grant um, property tax 
exemptions for um, multifamily housing downtown um, with the idea of helping to stimulate people reinvesting in in building housing uh, downtown. And um, given how dire the housing situation in Juneau is right now, we decided to expand that community-wide. And so now if you're a developer interested in building um, multifamily units in Juneau, um, if assuming the ordinance passes this evening, uh, you will receive property tax abatement for, I believe that's 10 years. uh, so just one more thing that we're trying to do to stimulate development of, of housing in Juneau right now. So that's a big one. And it's interesting, given that we just recently saw there's interest to build an over 400 unit building out in the valley, too. Correct. Yes. Yes. There's a few people who um, there's a few things happening right now that suggest that people are um wanting to build so so we've got our fingers crossed that those properties come to fruition there yeah the, that new one's over by the area near fred meyer behind the fred meyer correct and then there's also the actions around petterson hill correct with uh clinkin and Hyde and another entity yep and uh i i believe there's also some funding now with this sales tax for for uh up on uh, Star Hill, right? Telephone Hill. Telephone Hill. Yep. My apologies. Yep. No. Yep. We're hoping um, now that that's passed to to do some redevelopment on Telephone Hill to add house more housing there, and then there's one other um, item on the agenda for this evening, um, which would uh, help fund a potential development um, downtown on Gastineau. Mm. Uh, I think it's a seventy unit. Um, oh yes, Gaston Lodge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. So lots of moving pieces. Um, no ground broken yet on any of them, but but I think it's a it's a good sign that that people are interested in pursuing those opportunities. Well, hopefully with the additional units, that'll prepare us for the next season. But we'll have to see. That stuff takes time, right? Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> lots of steps. Lots of steps. Now, along with the meeting, there's the assembly reorganization. Uh, share with us what assignments you're vying for. Um, well, I still don't, we still don't, we'll, we'll find out tonight what, what assignments we have. I've been, this last year I was um, representing the early liaising with the Systemic Racism Review Committee, um, as well as the Docks and Harbors Board. So I'll likely be retiring from, from both of those. Um, I'm hoping to uh, be on the school board this year because I have not. Um, oh, be a liaison. Be a, be a liaison to the school board this year uh, because that's an important part of our job is to work closely with the school board, and I feel like I could use some education and and what uh, the school board does. So so I'm hopeful for that, um, but we'll see. It's still a bit of a mystery where we're all going to land mm. as of right now. Yeah. And last item here, we we touched on it for a moment with the next season, but uh, this year's cruise season, we're hearing that the season came in at about 1 million plus, I believe 1.15 to be exact. That must be good to hear since I believe the city budgeted for just 1 million passengers, right? It is. It is good. I think we we were... um 
conservative in our in our estimate of, of a million and it seems like we weren't too far off but but of course that's that's good for our community um, and for our budgeting to to know that we hit that target and surpass that target and when we talk about cruise ship revenue it's the head tax that the city receives so explain how that works for a moment correct so for each passenger who um, arrives in Juneau on a cruise ship, there's a a certain fee that is paid um, to the city and called a head tax. And it can't be used for anything that the community wants. It has to be reinvested in our waterfronts and um, services that that our cruise passenger uses. So we have kind of a separate pot of money that every year we take proposals and um, divvy up that funding to, to continue to improve improve our waterfront and, and those services. Um, but of course, cruise ship passengers uh, coming to our community also spend spend money. And, and so um, the sales tax revenue that the, the city takes in is also an important part of many of our city operations. They're saying a stronger season next year, about 2019 levels, if not a little higher. What are your hopes? Yeah, it would be it would be wonderful to see us back to where we were pre-pandemic next year. It does seem like people are traveling. Um, you know, we have a lot of infrastructure that's been invested in to to make sure we support that capacity of of passengers in in the community. Um, and so uh, we open them, open our arms uh, to to anyone hoping to to come to Juno next summer. And do you think capacity will begin to be back into discussion once we have that level of visitation again? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of discussion this this winter on um, the the former. Subport property, um, formerly owned by NCL, now right. in the hands of of Huna Totem. Um, so I think that's going to, um, you know, bring up some of the the conversations that have happened over the last few years about how we want to manage our the impacts of of tourism. Um, there are some things that the community has said loud and clear that they want to see, uh, including you know, a a limit to the number of ships that we have in our town at any given time. Um, And, you know, seeing that property developed in a way that's community oriented and and year round oriented. So so I'm looking forward to those discussions. Um, I think they'll be uh, just really important in terms of the larger picture of what cruise ship tourism looks like in Juneau moving forward. Well, very good. Well, Christine, thank you for joining us this morning. Is there anything you'd like to add? No, thank you so much for having me. Um, Yeah, just uh, everybody turn their heat on because winter is here. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I I feel really bad, Christine. I I look at heat pumps and I wish there was more assistance out there. Yeah, um, I really like the heat pump that I put in my house and we're... The community is doing a lot to, to support others in, in adopting them. And um, I think sky's the limit on, on how much we can, we can do on that front. Uh, well, again, thank you for joining us this morning, Christine. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you for tuning in this morning. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line, signing off.